Welcome to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and SaaS podcast, where Jonathan Denwood interviews the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing to help WordPress professionals launch their own SaaS. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and SaaS. Got a great interview. You've just got me as the host, Andrew He's unfortunately ill with COVID. He is still in Portugal, recovering, getting better. My friend John Locke, I think um, I asked him to come in, but I think I left it to the last minute. But we've got a great guest and a friend of the show. Plus, you got me. Could be worse, couldn't it, folks? <laughs> and we've got Brian Cords. Cords. I'm butchered his surname. That, you got used to that. So, Brian, would you like to quickly introduce, give a kind of 10, 20 second intro to the tribe? Yeah, so um, I'm Brian Cords. I'm a developer out of California. My day job is I work at Howard Development and Consulting, and we kind of have a few projects. One of them is Master WP, which is a newsletter and blog, um, and now podcast. Uh, and then we also have WP Wallet, which is a software that we run. Understrap, which is a kind of a popular theme uh, for WordPress, and then uh, a lot of client services. And so uh, we kind of kind of cover everything that we can. That's great, Brian. We're going to be discussing this show, all WordPress, Gutenberg, full site editing. We're going to have a dive. It should be great. But before we get into the main meat and potatoes of the show, I've got a message from a couple of our major sponsors. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Allow us to introduce you to Castos, our major sponsor. If you're looking to get into podcasting, Castos is for you. No penalties on the amount of downloads and the support, should you need it, is the best in the industry. Take a look at Castos for your podcasting solution. That's castos.com, castos.com. The importance of backing up your WordPress website cannot be emphasized enough. We use BlogVault to help us do this on a daily basis. With free staging, migrations, and on the pro plans, malware scanning and autofix, BlogVault is the professional's choice when managing just one website or many. Go to blogvault.com and see for yourself. You seriously won't find a better, more complete solution. That's blogvault.com, blogvault.com. We're coming back, folks. And I just want to point out that I've got some great special offers from some of the sponsors, some great recommendations of services and plugins. Um, If you want to see and get all those goodies, all you have to do is go over to WPTonic slash recommendations. So, Brian, let's get straight into it. So how did you get into the crazy world of web development, WordPress in general? What what was the start of, of the journey? Yeah, you know, I was, you know, into web development even in high school just as kind of a nerdy kid. And, you know, back in the days of making, you know, websites on, uh, you know, tripod and live journal and that sort of stuff. But then uh, my earlier career was teaching, so I was doing that for a while. And then um, just started building WordPress press websites on the side. I I was looking through my email trying to figure out when was the first time I used WordPress because I've been asked that before. When did I start WordPress specifically? And so 
I kind of searched through my Gmail and went back. And it was about 10 years ago where I could find WordPress was the first time mentioned. But it was in an email basically of a client. I had built him a website. It was not, it was not very good. You know, I think he he paid me $200 for it, something like that. He couldn't really edit it. And at some point he emailed me and just said, you know, what did you build me? I thought you were going to build me like a WordPress website so I could edit it myself. And I thought I should probably learn what WordPress is because I'd never heard of it at that point. (laughs) So that was the first time it was, you know, an unhappy client informing me that there was, you know, better solutions than me, you know, copy and pasting code that I was, you know, frantically gathering online. Um, And then from there, I just started building WordPress websites, working in-house at places. I think a lot of people work, you know, you're the one WordPress developer at some nonprofit or something. I did that for a while, moved into freelancing, and then eventually started working with uh, Howard Development about maybe five years ago and just started building client websites, you know, pretty consistently from then. So Howard Development, is there a particular vertical or a particular type of client what what does Howard Development like? What are their ideal clients and the projects they like doing? Yeah, our ideal client is marketing agencies. So what we do is we really work with marketing branding agencies who do, they do the logo, they do the brand, they do the design typically, they do all of that sort of stuff. And then they want somebody that's going to come in and just make a WordPress website, you know, specifically the way they designed it exactly as they wanted it to look. And so we kind of jump in at that point. And, you know, most of our clients are the the agencies themselves. Right. That's great. Sounds interesting. I imagine every day is different. Um, (laughs) um, So let's go into another question. Um, we're in interesting times with WordPress. Like I've just come back from WordPress Europe. It was I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm still on holiday mode because I'm I'm recording this from the UK, um, and then I'm off to Sweden in a couple of days. So it's a bit of a European UK odyssey. But I really enjoyed WordPress Europe. Um, what would you say are some of the strengths, but also some of the weaknesses of WordPress in 2022? Because I think there are definitely strengths, but there's also weaknesses. I I think, personally, and I want to see if you agree with this, we're at a very interesting time and position when it comes with WordPress. First of all, would you agree with that? And what do, on your own reflection, what do you see some of the strengths and weaknesses of the WordPress platform in this year? Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I feel like it was maybe five years ago when the Gutenberg project started, there was that similar kind of feeling of where are things going? Things are kind of shifting. I think this year sort of matches that year in terms of there's a lot more questions about what the next steps are. And there's sort of like, a big open space of what's happening next. There's a lot of questions about if we're growing, if people are joining, if there's enough contributors to WordPress in general, all that sort of stuff. So I kind of agree with you. Um, honestly, though, you know, overall, it's a strong platform. I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's pretty popular. I think it's flexible. We're all using it. But, you know, I read it, it was an article. It was, I think, Kim Coleman posted an article basically comparing WordPress to the really strong SaaS offerings like Squarespace um, or Shopify or something. And she had a good 
basically breakdown of, you know, all of the strengths that we love about WordPress, that it's open, flexible, do whatever you want with it, change it, um, plugins for everything. You know, she was basically saying those are also kind of weaknesses for end users in the sense because everything looks different. No two sites look the same. You have to update it yourself. You're in charge of maintaining it. You're in charge of all these things. And she was basically kind of saying, you know, not that it's good or bad, but just that the things that we kind of like about WordPress and how flexible it is can also be the sorts of things that maybe are tougher for end users or are a little, make it a little more, you know, I would say harder to jump onto than like a a Shopify or Squarespace. So I feel like that's the place where the the ecosystem is right now, where we're really trying to decide, do we want to make this extremely simple and easy for end users? Do we want to make it extremely powerful uh, for developers who are going to build the ecosystem? And we're kind of, you know, seeing some places where we're losing the freedom for, you know, developers to get to control what the what it looks like, what the the website is going to end up being. But we're also seeing more control for end users to get to drag and drop and, and build their own kind of websites. So, you know, it's I think there's definitely a transition point. There's definitely two different ways to look at it. Um, I think the biggest weakness right now is just the overall narrative that WordPress is kind of slowing down or or losing popularity because, you know, it can become a little self-fulfilling if we all kind of decide that WordPress is not, you know, where the future is for building websites. Yeah, I'm just wondering where to take this to reply to what you've just said. Um, I'm going to I'm going to try and not go on too much of a wonder because I can. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm really struggling to format this in a coherent. Right, let's do this. There's two ways to. Res- there's two elements to my response. I think number one is. Everything your colleague or the I've got the lady's name that you mentioned that write, wrote this article about updating. Well, the truth is there's an army of companies and WP Tonic is one of them if you're looking to build a coaching membership website. But literally there's an army of companies that will maintain, update the plugins, advise you. There's eight, there's an army of eight agencies and you help lot these agencies there's more than enough help out there um if you don't want to update your plugins and make a bigger bit of a mess of it um on it so there's a one of the strengths and you saw it in portugal in porto is that there's literally our army an ecosystem a community a very overused word but you actually saw some of the reality of that overused metaphor community in Porto. Um, but on the other hand, developers are driven by the choices to some extent of the people that hire them. You know, you have clients that come and say, I want a voice about what is, or you have clients that don't really care what you built it on or build it on. And maybe they should care a little bit more. But then, yeah, there's a whole group of clients that say, well, I don't want to build on WordPress because I've heard it's slow, there's security problems, and it's just difficult. I want to build on Shopify or I want to build on Wix or whatever it is. And 
that's what you build on because you've been told because you want to still charge them. So that's complicated. And have I lost my plot? Have I been wondering? This is the question. Um, so you got all that. Um, but there was another point that was a bit better, actually. But um, <laughs> let give me a few seconds to recover my thoughts. What what do you? What was your thoughts yeah. about my response to what you've just said? Yeah, there was a few things. You know, the first one you you talked about that there's plenty of agencies and developers. We're one of them. We have maintenance contracts for clients, and we're out there. And I think that's sort of the picture where we're seeing a lot more power in WordPress given to, you know, the everyday user and, and it's good and that's a good thing. But also sometimes, you know, we do want experts and we do want, you know, somebody who's helping you with your website, who understands accessibility and SEO. And so when we get to DIY and people are building their own websites, you know, like I wouldn't, you know, maybe I wouldn't file my own taxes. I would want an expert to do it. If you're a business and you have a website at a certain point, you probably should have an expert you know, looking at your website because there's things like, uh, you know, the block pattern directory we've been talking about where there's just bad accessibility, bad user experience patterns, things that aren't going to help you get search engine presence. And, and yeah, so uh, it's just come to, I just want to quick respond to that. And yeah. the actual other point has come back to me. Now, just a quick response is, I think it's a balance because when you look at Shopify, if you look at Kajabi, which is in, one of the SaaS, main SaaS competitors in my niche area. There's a whole ecosystem about hiring Kajabi experts that will set everything up. There's a whole ecosystem of Shopify developers. Um, if it was that easy to set up Shopify or if it was that easy to set up Kajabi, there wouldn't be a whole ecosystem of implementers, developers and consultants, would there? Yeah. Um, the second point, actually, I attended Matt Manoweg's question and answer session, and I thought one of the key things, and he said he said it before, but for some reason it came into my consciousness and much more stronger, is that he announced he made it very clear at Paul Tone. I'm sure, like I say, he's done it before. That he actually sees Gutenberg as a bigger vector for automatic than even WordPress. I actually think he sees Gutenberg being a much bigger project than ever WordPress was. Do you think I'm right? Because that's what he said he thought it could be at Porto. Um, what's your own thoughts about that? Yeah, you know, number one, I'm jealous that you got to go to WordCamp because I think there's something about that live in person. Um, the WordCamp US is going to be here in California. So I'm very excited to get to get back into that real live person energy. Cause I think that kind of changes. Uh, how we right? projects. I was told, I was told by people that they're only going to allow 630, 650 people to attend. Is that great? You know, I, the venue they picked is not a large venue. So I am, I've, I, I, that might make sense. Um, so there might be a scramble to get tickets. That, you know, that might be true. I'm, I don't, you know, I'm not sure. I, I don't know how it was there. You know, I think everyone has opinions about large in-person gatherings and, and how, 
strict and safe they should be and that sort of thing. So I, I'm sure that plays well, into it. It is difficult because I, I was a little bit offish, but I'm English anyway, so I'm offish anyway. But I was a little bit about – it was strange. I, I felt a bit – I'm not a, a strong interval or a strong out ouch of the, I'm a mixture of both but I've got to be, it was my first really large event for about for three to four years and it was a little bit intimidating all these people uh-huh. I literally could stand I could stand it for a couple of hours and then I had to get away I know it sounds ridiculous but no felt, that makes I, I like, mean yeah sorry no I'll say that makes sense I, it can be uh energetic energizing and then it can also be draining you know at a certain point, you know. So get back of, to this. So do you yeah. agree that he really sees Gutenberg as something that could be even bigger than WordPress? Yeah. He seems to see it as a really separate project, really. That, that that was the sense I was getting by seeing him live. Yeah. You know, I actually wrote a little bit about that part of his speech because, you know, some of the examples of 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 what he where they're putting it are you know Tumblr and Day One, which are you know owned by Automatic, and they're bringing Gutenberg into these projects. But those are not open source; those are you know closed, private, proprietary, for profit ventures that are you know they own. And so the example of we're taking Gutenberg and it's so big, but then we're really just pushing it into all of our private projects that are not going to be part of the open source ecosystem. I'm failing to see how Gutenberg benefits. I mean, Gutenberg is nice. I love the block editor. I'm a fan. But I'm just saying that that sense that it's more important than WordPress itself, but the only implementations seem to be in these proprietary systems. It seems unclear how that's bigger in terms of the value for the open source community. I don't see where that part of it plays in. And I don't understand that argument. But, um, but you know, I think we'll see. I think we'll see as it as it matures over the next few years. Yeah, uh, I think we're going to wrap up the first part of the show. Um, we got uh, we got a ton to discuss. Brian's up for it. Hopefully, he'll stay for some bonus content because a half hour won't be enough. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Hey, it's Ben's from LaunchFlows.com. If you've been looking for a fast and easy way to create powerful sales funnels on WordPress, then look no further than LaunchFlows. In just minutes, you can easily create instant registration, upsells, downsells, order bumps, one-click checkouts, one-time offers, custom thank you pages, and best of all, no coding is required. For as little as $50 per year, you can own and control your entire sales funnel machine with LaunchFlows. Get your copy today. Hey, Tribe, are you trying to scale your agency but struggling to find time to work on your business because you're always stuck working in your business? Head over to focuswp.co where you can subscribe to an instant team of white label geeks and creatives to delegate to. Use code WPTONIC for a special discount just for the tribe. With Focus WP, you don't have to worry about hiring, firing, or any other HR nightmares. Just submit a ticket and your new team will dive in. Focus on what you love, outsource the rest. We're coming back. It's a bit more quieter and organized, isn't it, Brian? <laughs> it's very peaceful. <laughs> it was, he joined us at, when I was doing a, the Friday show, folks, last, 
last week at Porto. I was attempting to do a live show at a conference with two almost three thousand people. That really, we pulled it off in the end, though, Brian, didn't we? You got to you got to admire me for my steadfastness. All right. <laughs> So um, before, um, I also just want to remind you that I do my own weekly newsletter, um, which I do editorial. I didn't do one last week because I was traveling. I, po- I will attempt to do one this week. You can get that by going to WPTonic slash newsletter and sign up. And like I say, I do a weekly one and I do a good editorial. And I think it's interesting. Hopefully you will. So let's delve back into the world of WordPress. I think also, uh, Matt, um, some of the questions were, you know, I think one of the questions that was put to him at the end of conference was that it's dominated by PHP developers. That's the reality. You know, um, PHP got a bit of a, a bit of a rap, bad rap, but um, with frameworks like Lavelle, I think it's come back strong. But it's now WordPress, you know, is dominated to some extent by JavaScript and React. I think that's one of the other factors. I think that's caused a lot of difficulty for plugin shops. Well, a, you know, agencies like yourself, the kind of um, skill set that you need to require, the complexion of the projects. This is a, a very multiple facet question I'm pointing to you, but I think this is one of the factors that's also been introduced to the brew that has put us where we are in the second quarter 2022. How how do you respond to that? Do you think I'm on the right track? Yeah, I mean, I think the the language that you write in affects the way that you see what you're working on. So if you're somebody who spends a lot of time in HTML and CSS and you're very focused on the front end and you're visual and you're creative, that's one way to look at things. I think because so much of the work is now in JavaScript, which makes sense. It's really the only way to build that kind of snappy app, you know, feeling. But then we have a lot of JavaScript-focused developers, and they're also controlling a lot of what's happening on the front end of websites to an extent that was never there before. But they're, you know, at heart JavaScript developers, and you can tell by the way that they think and the way they organize things. And so I think there's there was a good art interview. It was... Mark Root Wiley, who's been pushing for this kind of CSS standards in WordPress, and he talked about that, how it's just, you know, now we're at this, there's a bit of a conflict between developers like us who want to control the front end and, you know, the Gutenberg project, which is really deciding what the HTML and CSS are going to look like from WordPress core. And so that's a new new place to be. But, you know, at the end of the day, JavaScript is important. React is important. Um, You know, it's it's going to be around and it's it's going to be a part of the modern internet. And that that's just a fact. I think you just made a really great observation there, like may I say, because what you seem to be hinting, I never thought of it that way, is because, you know, you, you, you 
there's there's always been these breakpoints which have existed in smaller to medium projects and in the world of larger projects and corporate have always been different where you had somebody who was a graphic designer that could do HTML and do some things with jQuery and knew a bit, a good bit of the functions that made WordPress. But they weren't a hardcore PHP WordPress backend developer. There just wasn't. Now you've introduced this whole different bucket of of skills and I think the thing that you touched, which was so interesting, a mindset, a, a really different mindset where that front-end developer has actually got a mindset maybe more, more linkage to the graphic person, how their mind works, than, than the traditional server-end plug-in, really strong back-end PHP skills. Am I on to anything there? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the 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 fundamental shift in how WordPress has been working recently. Where, you know, it it the people who had just those front end skills are if they're gonna if you're gonna use the block editor and you can't really control what comes out of it, you know, they make it it's so much easier to build a page in the block editor. But there's you get that ease by taking out any sense of control. I can't write my own custom HTML in the block editor. I mean, I can, but it's not real. It doesn't really work that way. And so, you know, by taking away that sense of control and that stuff, you know, and saying, well, now you need to build it as a custom block using JavaScript, using these, you know, very different languages. It just means that people who have a different type of experience, a different type of mindset, you know, are going to have to go in different directions. And that's, I think, what we're seeing. And you know, I, there's a lot of benefit to JavaScript, um, but it's it's definitely a different skill set than the creative designer who wants to 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 make something unique. And I think it was it was interesting when he said the uh, when he was actively a hardcore PHP, he actually dreamt in PHP. Have you dreamt in PHP code, Brian? You know, I I don't think I've ever dreamt in in code. Uh, no, I still have dreams where I'm a waiter and I you know forgot everybody's order. But that's that's as that's as close as my dreams get to to Night, my work life nightmare. from twenty years ago. Yeah. You know. right. Um. So let's go on to the next question: Full site editing. Is it the offspring of the devil or um, whoever whoever you talk to to say a bit like Gutenberg, a bit like WordPress in 2022? It, it really depends. I have never, never known such a diverse point of views from people that I respect. You know, you, you can get points of views from people that you basically you think they're just idiots. But um, I've never known from Paul from WP Tut, who's not the biggest fan of Gutenberg, to Spencer and Sally, who have a love affair. Well, Sally's got a total love affair with Gutenberg and full site editing, where Spencer likes Gutenberg but thinks full site editing 
is the devil's spew, you know, or the bridge too far. And I don't know where I am. I just stay with Alamator and offering it to my clients and that because I I love the idea of Gutenberg and I can't wait, but I'm still a little bit reluctant about jumping Alamator into the world of Gutenberg. So everybody seems to be all over the place. Do you sense that? Yeah, I mean, I agree. It is it is a very divisive issue. I think there's the block editor itself. I love. Uh, I was using. I was writing in Google Docs the other day and was trying to do things that were like Gutenberg, you know, because I'm just so used to using it now. And I write blog posts directly in it, and it's just it feels really good. I like that part of it. To me, full site editing. You know, I've made the argument that I I don't think it should have been in core. I think. I think there's so much other stuff that could be improved and full site editing is really useful for one part of a market, but I don't really think that it's useful for every single website. Um, whereas, you know, the backend of WordPress and the media library and all these things, those are used on every website and they look the same for the last 10 years and could really use a refresh. Full site editing, you know, to me, I think would have been a great plugin, uh, you know, somewhere with like BuddyPress and BBPress and these plugins that you can use and they work really well and they're supported by WordPress, but it doesn't show up on every site because I do, I do think it takes a lot of the air out of the room. Um, and at this point, you know, Elementor, Beaver Builder, they're just so much better. So it's hard to say that I would want to, you know, I've, I actually built my personal blog with the default theme and full site editing. And um, it's a beautiful theme, but I cannot get it to, to look like what I want it to look like, you know, because I can't change it. So I'm probably closer to Spencer. You know, I really do like the block editor, but I would love yeah. to see the block editor styles and that sort of stuff show up in the rest of WordPress instead of trying to bring the rest of WordPress into that full site editing. Do you have any any thoughts of why, to me, the full site editor, it does need some... Because I was talking to Christina a few weeks ago on this show and... She makes her living by teaching newbies WordPress and she hates Gutenberg and she she won't teach it to her newbies because it's um I I think one of its problems it needs some substantial UX love. Um and it needs a good session of sorting out a good concentrated spurt of investment UX expertise to get it up to snuff because there's a lot of potential i think but when it comes to it really they those in the know seem to be, to be determined to push full site editing have you got any insight hey, am i correct and why this i get this feeling that they determined why they're so determined? Yeah, you know, that is a good question. I agree with you that the the interface itself, you know, so I, you know, there's a lot of icons that feel meaningless and pop up drawers and windows and panels and things and everywhere. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. It feels like a lot. And I think if we took the last three years that were full site editing, and just only made the block editor itself better, uh, I think we'd all be a lot happier because it, it would just be more, they could have used that attention there instead of trying to 
do full site editing. But you know, I I'm I'm not sure. You know, there's been the theory that they're trying to take on uh, the page builders element. You know, Elementor is growing faster, really, than WordPress is. WordPress is growing. Elementor itself is growing inside there much faster. They're doing really well. They had a really good acquisition. They raised a lot of money last year. Um, that you know, it, it's it's very powerful. So, is there a sense that you know the people in charge of WordPress want to make sure that? they can compete with Elementor, even though it's it's all the same ecosystem. I'm not really sure. But uh, it's, you know, I don't think there's anything that anyone's going to say that's going to stop them from making that the full focus of, of what goes forward, you know, unfortunately. It does seem that way, but um, I'm just puzzled because um, it does seem to be linked. Yeah, you know, but it's, it's like we're looking... We're looking in, you know, around the corner, but we can't quite focus. So we're trying to work out things and we, we just don't have all the information, do we? So in some ways it's a bit pointless. But being that you write a really great newsletter and I run a WordPress um, in my 701st episode, yeah. that is our job though, isn't it, Craig? Uh, um, to peer where others dare not peer. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's somebody needs to have the conversations and think about these things and and try to push, you know, the leadership to be a little more transparent in what they're thinking just because our our jobs depend on it, you know, our mortgages depend on it. Yeah, I do, so. I do sometimes wonder why there has to be this air of mysticism almost. <laughs> uh, I do understand a company you have to keep things a bit tight to themselves, but sometimes I think this is more of a cultural issue, than, which is most bizarre in an open, fundamentally an open source, um, community, supposedly community focused and driven um, platform, isn't it? Uh, it's quite bizarre in some ways. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that was my big topic this week. Was you know how open source or or just, you know, the, the way that we call open source and the way we've framed it for the last 20 years maybe doesn't make sense, you know, going forward because at the end of the day, there are big private companies who who do own these things and, you know, and they're doing a good job and they're giving us a lot of great um, software. But, uh, but, you know, when there's 43% of this massive internet billion dollar economy running on it, then sometimes the old language of open source and stuff doesn't feel like it makes as much sense. Um, I would tell, um, I see where you're coming from. I just think it needs some thought because Matt, I could say at Porto, he's, is a, you know, um, he seems still to be very, very committed to the principles of GPL and open source, doesn't he? I I think so. I mean, I I'm a Matt Mullenweg fan. I think so. I think he is. Um, you know, just that being said, like I said, a lot of the work is moving into you know his company too is is not open source. So, and I know that it you know it that it's it's hard to be open source. It's not easy and stuff. But a lot of the things that are getting built today are you know, the WordPress apps, the the other sites owned by Automatic, 
Um, a lot of these things, you know, aren't, you know, open in the same sense unless you're using, you know, their ecosystem. So it's a, it's kind of a tough, you know, it kind of goes both ways. Well, just to wrap up before we wrap up the podcast part of the show and Brian's agreed to stay on for some bonus content, which you can watch the whole interview plus the bonus content on the WP Tonic YouTube channel. Please go over there. And please, if you're generous, subscribe to the channel because not only does it help the channel, it also helps the podcast. Just to finish off, is I, I don't see it as totally zero or one or black and white situation. You know, I don't want to go into politics, but I'm a practimist. Um, I have particular principles. Uh, I come from the tradition of Christian socialism. Um, so I have a particular ideology that drives me, but in all, I, but that ideology, um, it changes with the facts and with the pragmatism of the situation. So what I mean by that, I don't, you know, you get others that say everything should be free market. I don't believe that, nor do I believe that everything should be controlled by the government. I believe that there's some industries, some that should be owned by a government, um, or there's definitely other areas that shouldn't have any government involvement. And I think that's what you've, that's what you probably will find with open source. There are parts and areas of it that should not, that are best in the open source arena. And then there's probably other areas that are better done by a private. Is that making any sense or am I waffling? No, no, I, that makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of these things are going to be owned by a huge corporation or a huge, you know, government type of a thing. And, the nice thing about government is at least you get to vote, you know, no one's voting for Mark Zuckerberg to be in charge of Facebook. And that's a little scary, you know. You're getting me hot and bothered now, Brian, did you? Yeah. Have to <laughs> uh, right, I always get a bit, there's certain names that start getting me sweating, Brian. Um, yeah. Right. Um, Brian's laughing at my jokes. So that's always good, isn't it? Tribe. <laughs> uh, um, so we're going to end the podcast part of the show. Like I say, Brian's agreed to stay on. You'll be able to watch the bonus content and the whole interview on the WP Tonic YouTube channel. Please subscribe. We'll be back next week. Hopefully with Andrew, he will be allowed back into the UK, recovered, relaxed from his illness in Porto. Um, and we've got another, some fabulous guests. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. We really do appreciate it. Why not visit the Mastermind Facebook group? And also to keep up with the latest news, click wp-tonic.com forward slash newsletter. We'll see you next time.